Welcome back, everyone. Hello. Hello. On behalf of our entire flight crew, thanks for soaring with us. Hello and welcome to another edition of Disney Brit Bite Size uh, with me, Adam, and joining me as always is Alan. Hello, Alan. Hi, Adam. How you doing? I'm, I'm alright. It was a delay there. I was a little bit worried that maybe you weren't with me. You'd vanished. No, you're not that lucky. I'm not that lucky. Yeah. No, you're dead right. I'm no. not that lucky. I've got to say that the, the intro to the Bite Size is very short, isn't it? Well, that's because it's supposed to be Bite Size. Okay. So it's only a Bite Size intro because it's a Bite Size show. Usually I've got time to finish a cup of coffee first. Yeah, not not with this one you haven't. You have with the outro music, that's much longer, but not with the intro music. Um, right, we are on Disney Bit Bite Size uh, this week. We have got another topic to discuss with you, and um, we thought, uh, we, we haven't got a sketch for you as such, but we have got a little commercial we're going to play you, and that should introduce you to what we're going to be looking at today. So, take a listen to this. Here is the commercial that links today's show. First came the Magic Kingdom. Then the incredible Epcot Center. Now comes the new Disney MGM Studios theme park. The Disney MGM Studios theme park at Walt Disney World in Florida. There we go. Um, we're going to talk about uh, MGM Studios today, and we want to talk about the original MGM Studios. I know in the, the bigger shows we've taken the mickey a little bit about uh, the fact that there was nothing there, and the, the place is pretty much empty. But, in fairness to them, there are still more attractions currently open at Hollywood Studios than there were open on the original year that, uh, that uh, it opened its doors to the guests. True? Very much true, I suppose. It's... Um... It's it's weird in a way because I think we've we've built up Hollywood Studios to be the park where people want to go do they want to do the Tower of Terror they want to do um, yeah what's the rock and roller coaster yeah um, and I was talking to someone talking to someone the other day who said oh Hollywood Studios is his favourite park and I think when it first opened up it was it was one of these parks where it was like well it was only meant to be half a day. And the attractions that are on opening day it was essentially half a day's worth of attractions. Yeah. And then they realised that they had to pack it up a bit more. So uh, let's talk a little bit about when it opened. Then it opened first of May, first uh, of May, nineteen eighty nine, as uh, it was Disney's third theme park, uh, but fifth park in all. Uh, with all the other bits and pieces they had with if we include the water parks and those sort of uh, bits and pieces the majority of the park opened to say on the 1st of May 1989 but there were two other attractions that also opened one in August and one in December we're going to talk a little bit about each of those and about uh, how how the whole sort of thing uh, looked so you visited MGM Studios in its original form did you? Um, well let, I, I reckon that I went around about 89 Okay. Eighty-nine. Yeah. Ish. So I think it was it was it was opened, but I, it might blur with this because I went again about ninety-one-ish. So I think the sort of experiences probably blur a little bit. Okay. So I, I mine was about ninety. Was my first experience. 
Um, so I don't remember opening year, but it wasn't far. It was about a year out. Yeah, it was. It was sort of May time, nineteen ninety, that I first experienced it. I think um, back in the day, there was sort of weirder sort of entertainment situations. Yes. Um, whereas now everything is very sort of organised. You've, you've got to go into like a show format. Yeah. Of, or just the vans would turn up and things would happen. So uh, yeah, it was a lot of that. And and to kind of give you a bit of background as to how MGM Studios happened, um, the reason the park opened was Michael Eisner at the time heard that Universal were considering building this movie theme park and it was going to be happening in Orlando and um, he began to think well hang on a second this is quite a big niche market that doesn't exist in Orlando at the moment and he turned to the company and to the Imagineers and went what do you reckon shall we try and build one and and they kind of started work on this MGM Studios and obviously they got MGM involved and uh, opened it before Universal Studios managed to get their park open um, so they kind of managed to pip Universal to the post, um, which is interesting because we look now um, at the sort of relationship between Universal and Disney, and it seems that Universal are now opening everything earlier. Yeah, just just a bit. They're, they're doing it a lot quicker. They're doing it. Yeah. So to give you a rough idea, um, they actually opened it just over a year before. So Universal uh, Orlando's. Universal Studios is the original park that actually opened on June 7th 1990 so we're talking a year and a bit before uh, Universal opened there so Disney kind of got the upper hand and had got this park up and running for, for a good year by that particular point but go on Disney did something that was slightly different to what Universal were doing which was their plan was to have it as a work in studios I don't so, believe that Universal Studios was. They they had a few sound stages and bits and pieces there, and they did film some things, but it was later on that sort of happened. If I remember right, Universal Studios opened like the Nickelodeon Studio Tour, and they filmed some episodes of bits and pieces and things like that in um, there. They do have some working studios at Universal, um, and they have filmed some things in the past, but from what I believe, it's not a fully operating. It never was a, a really, truly fully operating park. But obviously, as you say, yeah, MGM Studios was. It was kind of... the. the park was almost split into two really you'd got the theme park and then you got the backstage studio tour um and these two things came together to make what you would argue is just over a half day park really i don't think you could argue much more than that could you Nah, it's, it's, it definitely wouldn't be sort of the main if i think if you, if you went all the way if you drove all the way across america to go to florida yeah i don't think it would be your choice of park no it wouldn't be so um Let's kind of go through the attractions that were there on opening day. So if you were to turn up on the 1st of May 1989, you get to experience the following. Uh, the Great Movie Ride, The Magic of Disney Animation Tour, The Monster Sound Show, and Superstar Television. And then there was the other portion, which was the Backstage Studio Tour, that was um, um, basically the, the largest portion of the, park when, portion of the park when you arrived. You'd also get to go to restaurants like 50's Primetime Cafe, The Backlock Express, Holiday and Vine. Holiday? Hollywood and Vine. Mm -hmm. Hollywood Brown Derby, uh, Men and Bill's Dockside Diner, the Studio Catering Company, and the Soundstage Restaurant. Um, there was also an animation gallery across the words of the crossroads. My words today, Crossroads of the World, Dinosaur Gertie's Ice Cream of Extinction, and Mickey's of Hollywood, and Sid Coranga's One of a Kind. All the shops that you would be able to see there. And then, if you turned up a bit, a little bit later on, August 25th was the opening of Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Show, and uh, Star Tours opened on December 15th of that year. So let's kind of go into detail a little bit about each one and about what it was that you could experience. Um, 
Let's start for the Great Movie Ride. I think this is one of the ones that really has changed very, very little since that particular time, has it not? Apart from last week when they put a new uh, set of films into You've it. got the film bits at the beginning and end, haven't you? But other than that, the majority of them are pretty much the same. The, um, one, one thing that was at the time very much cutting edge was the animatronic that they used for the Wicked Witch of the East-West. Yes, which is still a pretty impressive animatronic. Yeah, she's got sort of quite a bit of fluid action there. She's um, very aggressive in emotions. She is. Whereas if you saw, I don't know, Carousel of Progress, where the characters don't seem to move that fast, no. because if he moves his hands too quick, he rattles all over the place. Yeah, so your kind of great movie ride was pretty much very similar to what we had when the, the park opened. Um, you had got elements of uh, all of the classic MGM attractions in there. The only one element that never kind of really happened, I think we've talked about this before, was the use of the tornado. It was kind of a, a tornado that they were going to create as effect for to bring you into the Wizard of Oz, and it never happened. And that actually became the area where you see um, Fantasia, Mickey, doing his sorts of his apprentice bits and pieces. Um, yeah. And so that's areas there, but pretty much the rest of the attraction opens it did and has kind of remained very, very similar since. So that is very much as is. The um, We'll go to the two other attractions that opened slightly later. That was the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular. Again, uh, at the time, sort of late 80s, early 90s, Indiana Jones was a massive, massive franchise. And uh, Disney approached George Lucas and said, we'd like to use some of your kind of uh, movie properties in our park. And he said, yeah, feel free. So we had the stunt show that went on in the same place as it still currently does. And uh, pretty much exactly the same show on opening day uh, is the one that you can experience now if you go to the park. And then yep. in December was Star Tours. And Star Tours is obviously slightly different to what it is now. When it originally opened, it was one single adventure that would happen. And you would be guided by your tour guide Rex. And he would take you on a, what's supposed to be a Star Speeder guide tour to Endor. And, Obviously, he can't fly very well, and you ended up going through all the bits and pieces and, and eventually ending up at, at the uh, station at the end. And that is very much like the version um, you'll see if you go to uh, Disneyland Paris and go to Discoveryland in Disneyland Paris. That version at present currently still exists uh, there, so that's not changed uh, at all. But obviously, the version you've got now in Hollywood Studios is the new multi-ride, multi-ending, multi-middle, multi-beginning version, which is in 3D and all those bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, it's, um, go on. It's, 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 I was going to say, it's interesting that the Indiana Jones epics, spectacular, keeps getting rumoured of being shut down. Well, we think that's going to be happening fairly soon, don't we? But we, we sort of talked about that a year ago. We talked yeah. about it two years yeah. ago. I would and wait until August this year. You reckon August yeah, this year? Because I think D23 this year, there's going to be a huge announcement to do with the future of Hollywood Studios. I think so, something's got to be said soon because there's there's nearly only three attractions left, isn't there? Well, exactly. You know, there's there's hardly anything left in the parks at the moment. Um, so I think, you know, expect there to be some big announcement probably coming at, at D23, yeah. I would think. And the other thing is that the other Indiana Jones attractions throughout... The um, the resorts yep. keep getting money spent on them. They do. So it's not like they're trying to just get rid of Indiana Jones altogether. No, well, we, we kind of think there's going to be a bigger Indiana Jones kind of element. 
Yeah, they've got to, they've got to do something to compete with the other studios. Yeah, they have. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's talk about a little bit more. Um, the Magic of Disney Animation Tour, which has changed slightly. Um, oh, no, it's obviously changed a lot now because they've just closed it in the past uh, few days. The animation tour has, has finished. It was originally a show and a tour, and included a nine-minute short called Back to Neverland, which was uh, had the voice of Robin Williams in it. Did you do this animation tour at the time when it was really, really kind of good? I suppose is the best thing way to put it. Um, I, I'm I'm sure that I did because I remember seeing the Back to Neverland video of it. Um, I remember him as being as a, as a lost boy. That's right. Um, but I'm sure he did he sort of. And he got animated and all this, yeah. yeah. And he, he followed you through the different screens as you walked through the particular animation attraction. Yeah, I, I can remember that. Was also was Walter Cronkite. He was, yes. Walter Cronkite was also in it. He was. Um, he did a lot of narration back yes, in the days. He did, yeah. Special Perth a lot. Well, this is a walking tour, and it took you through. Obviously, the, talking about how they animate different cartoons, films, shorts, those sort of things. And as part of it, uh, you would get to go through one corridor that had. Um, actual animators working on individual things for the Disney company, whether it be something for television or something for film. There were certainly movies that were made entirely at Hollywood Studios. I believe Mulan was solely made at Hollywood Studios. Yeah. And there were Lilo and Stitch was partly animated there as well. And you would be able to go through. And I always remember going and thinking, oh, great, I can go to the animation tour and I can go and see what they're animating and see what's coming next sort of thing. Because they would do a lot of that within, within the parks, within the view of the guests. When you think of it as a... As a part of a tour, as as the attraction of the Walt Disney Studios, yeah. the Hollywood Studios, yeah, it um, it was quite simple in terms of what they needed to do. If when they were doing their animation, they they could even do it nowadays with the computer animation. Yeah, you have people who are doing their job that is making the films for the future, mm -hmm. and people are happy to watch people work. You know, you, you know, if you've got a guy that's doing some plumbing work in your house, you can't help but keep seeing what he's up to. Yeah. Um. If I'm doing my job on site, people just stand and watch me do my job. And I think that concept that you've gone to Disney to see animation get made, it was an, it was an easy option for them to do. Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely. So Without why did you take it out? That's, well, your guess is as good as mine. Reduce the number of yeah. animators, reduce the wage bill, all those sort of things. Um, the other thing I'm going to say about the Stitch thing is yeah. that there's a reference to the animation studio um, in the Stitch movie. Yes, I believe there is. Um, when, oh, I can't remember the name. Is, is it when when Lilo signs the adoption certificate for yes. name naming her dog? Yeah. It, the contract terms and conditions says um, thank you to all the people who've sort of made the film at the well, the Hollywood Studios or yes. MGM Studios, yeah, I believe Florida. It does. There you go. Something you didn't know. That's quite exciting. Okay, so that, that kind of is now gone, uh, and that didn't change a huge amount in the years that it was open. Uh, there was two other attractions, or shows, so to speak, that were very much of a, a similar style. It was this idea of how you can create television by using interactive uh, audience uh, participation. There was the Monster Sound Show and the Superstar Television. Now, the Monster Sound Show will start with, in fact, they were both hosted by Sony when it first opened. Um, yep. The Monster Sound Show was particularly focusing on this idea of how sound in cinema is used and how uh, it kind of uh, enhances movies, enhances film. Did you ever see the Monster Sound Show? I'll be honest, I don't think I did. I remember my I'm... brother participating in this. Right. Um, I... Go on. I was going to say, I think I might get be mixed up with um, the Sounds Dangerous one. The Sounds Dangerous was where you, you wore your headphones. 
Right. And I remember you... something about where you had to shout look out. Yes, that was that was this one. That was oh, right. that was the monster sound show. Yeah, that was definitely the one. So it was the idea was you would come in, it was a fairly small theatre, you, you kind of pre-show area, there was a video that was hosted by David Letterman, um, and then you went into a, a, a studio that was about 280-ish seats, and it was a 15-minute attraction, basically. You had someone who would select members of the audience, and they would come up as Foley artists, and the cast member would speak to them about what it is they need to do. You had a, a supposedly cast member who was in the control room, who acted as a sound engineer, and then you had this Chevy Chase and Martin Short short film. Uh, which had lots of sound effects that needed to be thrown into them. Basically, it was set in a spooky mansion, and um, it was kind of—it was very clever, kind of little film. It's not—it's obviously not the only short movie Martin Short's been in. He's also done uh, *Cine Magique* for uh, Disneyland Paris. But this one, there were kind of several stations. There were kind of four stations in total, and these people would be put into these stations. And they would be given certain sound effects they would have to use. So, if you're in station one, this is the one my brother was in. Uh, you had uh, *Rain and Thunder*, a *Crashing Chandelier*, *Sliding Peephole*, uh, *Crackling Fire*, *Doorknobs* and doors opening and closing, and *Sliding Library Doors*. If you're in station two, then you're in control of the electronic console that included barking dogs, broken glass, foghorn a goofy yell uh, you also had to put in the voice of Simon's groans who was one of the characters that was in at the time uh, if you were station three then you were in what they called the foley pit and you had four different surfaces you could walk on you'd walk on either gravel cement marble and wood and they would obviously link with what was going on in the film you're also responsible for sound effects such as closing books striking matches bats flying and somebody falling down as well and in the fourth the uh, person who was in here they had to create wind rotating bookcases squeaking gates squeaking doors umbrella uh, the chiming clock and uh, some uh, taps on the dog head on the dog's head that they had to do and an explosion as well and then the rest of the audience you would have to shout look out when the uh, card was held up by the cast member who was involved and then once they'd recorded it all then the whole thing was played back with the sound effects that all the people had done as, as part of a newly created soundtrack um, so that was that particular attraction um, I remember it being really good I remember really enjoying it I think at the time you didn't have other other things like it. No, no, you didn't. Uh, it was. It was whereas I think if you, if you went to see that now, it might be like mm, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Uh, but I think it's very clever because they still use the foley stuff in in, theater, in cinema, so it was good. It might still work as an attraction. I don't know. Just update it slightly. Yeah. Okay. Well, Come. I was going to say it was obviously there was the little twist at the end of the film. So I was wondering if. In reality, did they actually use your sound effects, or is it just? Right no, no, no. They gen genuinely did. Recorded the sound effects that you created. Because uh, that in itself, doing a, sh a short recording live. Mm. Oh, you know, the audio was never of top quality. <laughs> you know, we're not talking about absolutely wonderful top quality, but you know, That's still quite clever. There was also a. a, a Post show area as well, which you could go visit called Soundworks, and you could create all your own sound effects and all those bits and pieces and all that stuff there, which was quite cool. So that's Monster Sound Show. Then we had Superstar Television. Now I am really trying to rack my brain as to whether I ever saw um, Superstar Television. It was there yeah. until 1998, so I kind of think I must have done, but I really can't remember. I'm. I'm trying to find out and I'm like I don't know if I did or not so it, it's in the theatre that is now or was the American Idol experience it's still called Superstar Television Theatre I think it's now has it now officially become the new home for the Frozen sing-along I believe it um, has has that happened well, yet 
the frozen singlong went into a different stage. That's um, around the back of the building. Oh, okay. Around the back of the studios now. Well, this, where, uh, this was a thousand-seater theatre um, yeah. that you would go and sit in, and there was um, a stage which would have several different sort of almost set piece things going on as part of it and it was part of the pre-show again you would have a cast member who would grab um loads and loads of uh people members of the audience out and they would become part of the show and the idea is that you will be creating um different programs linked with superstar television channel one and um there was they don't need to go through the whole list but you would be part of a cast member who was in cheers and the golden girls you would um there was the late show with david letterman there was a section there that the audience would call things out and respond to and there was an i love lucy section as well interesting that then obviously appeared at universal um there was bonanza there was gilligan's island there was a news segment there was the tonight show in there as well Uh, and then later on they added things uh, like when home improvement became such a massive uh show yeah, uh, they include things like that as well. But you would go up and you would be told this is when you say your line, and you would appear on the screen, and it would inter intercut with clips from the actual shows themselves. Right, that's starting to ring a bell now. Right, okay. I think I can remember the moment. Right, so that would probably have been slightly later. But yeah, I think they were helping like allows in the tool time section. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So that's um, the stu- superstar television. And that kind of then leaves us with what was ultimately the largest attraction. And I still will probably say one of the largest attractions still ever made for a theme park. And you were always warned about this uh, before you originally got there, that this attraction was a two-hour attraction. It did used to say on the park maps, please note, this two-hour guided tour involves an hour of walking. Restroom facilities are available at the shuttle station before you embark on your journey and at the start of your walking tour. So, you know, they were very, very clear to people. The backstage tour was a mammoth tour. I loved this. And and I'm glad that the backlot tour is now gone, purely for the fact that it was such a poor relation to what it originally was. Yeah, um, totally. It was just phenomenal. It was so good. Um, did you do this? Yeah, I did, and I, I totally agree with you that what we ended up with was it was just getting reduced to be smaller and smaller. Yeah, and the only the only bit that was probably comparable that was in the old tour was the um, Dragon Pass the costuming department. Yeah, that was pretty much it, and Catastrophe Canyon, but yeah. that was about you lot. So explain a little bit about how this worked. So the first half of the tour was by shuttle. And you would get onto your particular shuttle, and uh, they would pick you up. Now, to give you an idea of where the shuttle, you know where the shuttle part of the tour eventually ended up being. It was sort of Streets of America area around the back. The yeah. original shuttle tour used to get on uh, where the the current or what was current entrance to the Art of Animation was. That was the the queue line that you would get on. You'd get onto your shuttle, and once you were on your shuttle. You would then go on this kind of shuttle tour that would take you to several of the different areas within the the resort. So obviously, you you started off in the shuttle station, and uh, they would introduce to you all the things that were going on. You would then uh, head up backstage past the Eiffel Tower, and the first stop was costuming, as you've already talked about. And they would have all sorts of costumes from different movies and bits and pieces like that that you would be able to see. Um, then next up was the scenic shop. Now this was one of my favourite. I loved the scenic shop because I was a bit of a theatre geek and things like that. So I'd be able to see them building all the set and bits and pieces for the different shows. Um, 
it now really is a a scenic shop for and the costume department as well is for um the parks yeah i've um as a as a, a sign nerd that i am as i've driven past this apartment now well as i have done in the yeah. past obviously i can't do that now um they've got several sign making equipment there and oh okay doing banners and stuff like that now so. if you were to do the backstage magic tour yeah um this the seven hour job one of the things you actually get to do is to go down to the set and costuming area and all right you get to walk around and see them sewing costumes and all those bits and pieces which is yeah. really cool but and, and again talking about sort of an amazing opportunity there you've got people who are doing their jobs and people are wanting to watch them do their jobs yeah well yeah yeah, it's true. yeah there's like some guys he's he's just printing the banners off for the later on in the park yeah people want to watch it yeah it's true so that would that would take you through uh, there was kind of a covered area and we'd go past the windows and you could see into these particular buildings. Next up was I think one of the really the, the biggest losses from the tour and that yeah. was Residential Street. Do you want to explain a little bit about Residential Street? Um well, in in theory Residential Street was obviously the the outsides of the buildings that they used in the TV shows. Yeah. So you're driving past likes of the Golden Girls house or um, I'm just going to try and work out a few others there. Ernest Saved Christmas, there's a house there. Yeah. Empty Nest. Yeah. Um, various things. There'd be like people that would mow in the grass. There'd be like sort of workmen's vans parked up outside the houses. And because there was the concept that it was a live working production studios, there was always the glimmer of hope that you might actually see some of the Golden Girls or, you know, Tim Allen, he's going to be on set. Yeah. And you had a feeling that it was actually happening now. And they were um, using those actual buildings. They, they were fantastic houses. They, to they were. It was great to see as well. You would watch these and you would look at them and think they're, you know, how amazing they were because they looked like real houses. Obviously, they weren't. Um, yeah. But they did look phenomenal. So that was really I wonder what actually happened to them. I don't know. Really good question. Really it's haven't a, got a clue. It just seems a shame to just knock them flat and hide them. Yeah. So they went... Yep. So you would drive through Residential Street, you would see all these buildings, and obviously they would tell you as you go through with your live tour guide who would explain this, that, and the other. And then you'd take an, a sharp right, and you would head up to Catastrophe Canyon. And Catastrophe Canyon was very much the same as it was when it closed in uh, September last year, um, where you would ride um, ride inside, and they would show you the, the earthquake effects, the water effects, the fire effects, all those sort of stuff. And it would shower you with all this particular water. Uh, then they would head out of there and they would take you down to what they called New York Street which was a kind of giant back lot set and it was to look like a busy street they used force perspective for the buildings and then at the end of the street there was these kind of two massive blocks that made it look like an entire cityscape it is the area you can now walk down um, you can walk down the streets of America um, as they call it on New York Street and they've got all of the backdrops and all the bits and pieces still there that you can look at originally you couldn't walk down here you would only be able to go down if you were on the back lot tour and then obviously they opened the park up and that became the point where you were able to walk down all of these particular streets in a way I think that was a bit of a loss as well yeah because the way that the set works best was from certain angles yeah so obviously Definitely. if you're on that driving tour you're, you're being shown the perfect angles for the sets to work best yeah whereas when you actually walk right up to the the barriers and you you look like you're 12 foot tall yeah definitely um that would be the end of your 
uh, old tour on the trams and you would then get off and this is where the walking tour would then begin the first stop on the walking tour just as it was with the the reincarnated version of it was the backstage or backlot water tank and they would have this massive water effects tank and you would have water dumped on people and there'd be people in inside the engine room and they would have water dumped on and it was very much just a similar idea obviously it was linked slightly to uh, pearl harbor when it was done over but originally it was just it was a massive water tank and they were talking about how they would create water effects and all those bits and pieces as you walked through yeah um, and we also, we also had a nautilus in the in the tank they did yes they did well remembered uh, there was then the special effects workshop and shooting stage area where you could go and see about the idea of mechanical effects and all those bits and pieces. Um, there was all sorts of stuff in here and it would change. I remember there being uh, at one point... No, that was late. No, it was this one. There was one point that there, were, there was the giant bee from one of the Honey, I Shrunk the whatever... Uh, films and they yes. had a green screen and there were people pretending to fly on the back of these bees and all those sort of bits and pieces it also changed some, some other things as well if I remember rightly there was 101 Damnations set in here at one point I think there was a home improvement set in this particular section at one point as well if I remember rightly so there were lots of different things I think going on in this I'm, area. I'm going to sort of double check this was this where they, they also had a bit of a Dick Tracy one once yes I believe they did where remember the scene that they showed it was it was something to do where the, the little boy runs off in front of the trains yeah and basically they sort of show how they've sort of layer up all this, these different sort of paintings basically of, of trains and backgrounds I and stuff vaguely remember them having those there yeah they did um, so that was that particular section and then it, the next bit was um, kind of one of the most exciting bits of the tour but also not only that um, you would also have to um, put your cameras away any recording or audio equipment because you were about to go into the one part of the tour that was a proper working sound stage you would go through several of the sound stages i remember you would have all the windows at the top and you would walk across and you'd be able to look down into sound stages and they were genuinely filming television programs if i remember rightly when i was there they were filming something jungle based and i'm sure they told us it was a with a cast or cast members from baywatch I also remember seeing there was a it was a, like a Jim Henson production, um, nice. and it was a dragon and there was a castle, and it's it was called something's castle. In my head, all I can hear is Takeshi's castle. It definitely wasn't that, but it was something castle related, and they were filming some of that as well when we were there. So I've seen that too, and they were they were they were kind of filming and performing at one point when we were watching, it, which was really cool. It, that rings a bell, actually. That's going to do my head in now that you've just given us just enough information so, so I don't yeah, quite get it. Yeah, it's going to annoy me because I remember it being on television. I remember watching it. I remember seeing them filming it. And then I remember um, coming home to the UK um, and it was it kind of premiered on television. You were like, oh, I remember seeing them filming that. I remember that happening. Um, and I can't for the life of me remember what it is. I've just put Dragon Castle Henson in and see if it comes up with anything. But it's not going to. Eureka's Castle. Yep, that was it. There we are. Eureka's Castle is what I saw them filming when we were there. Oh, it was a Nick Jr. at one point. I think it was broadcast for. There we go. I think. I think when we went through that tour, there was um, there was set up to do the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Yeah. But I think it, we we timed it just perfectly so that there wasn't any filming going on. Right. 
That was the one. And it had, it had, yeah, a dragon in it. There you go. I can't really remember that. So Eureka's Castle was on in there anyway. There are a few other things when we saw it. So that was really cool. And then they take you through to this kind of darker corridor. And you would go through, if I remember rightly, go through wind, past some windows. And this was the post-production editing and audio area where um, they would do a lot of the editing. The sound engineers would add all those bits and pieces. There was all the finishing touches added to this particular section. I don't remember ever seeing anything really exciting in this particular area, do you? It doesn't shout out to us, but I'm just trying to work out... Because we were talking about before we started recording this, we were talking about the um, the lottery ticket. Where would the that... lottery? Good question. Now there was it was. I want to say that was just before the sound stages. Right. Okay. Yeah, they, it was it was called the lottery, and it was a they had lots of the bits of the set that you would walk past, and I th I've got a funny feeling this is by the shooting stage bit. Um, and they would—they showed you um, how they filmed this thing called the lottery. And it was a woman who lived in a, an apartment. She was—I want to remember rightly. She was a piano player, and she had a lottery ticket, and it flew out the window. And she went after it, and she ended up in a shopping trolley going down into the, the subway. subway. Yeah. And there was something to do with pigeons on yeah. the side of the house. Um, Basically, the lottery ticket blew out the window. Yeah. So she climbed out onto the ledge. The pigeon got the ticket. Yeah. She reached. To try and grab the ticket, and end up falling and hanging onto possibly a like a, a flagpole, then drop down into a tramp's shopping trolley. That's it. Which then careered down the street into the subway. That's the one. And um, it was Bette Midler that was the. That's the right. In it, and it was all. I believe it was all filmed in Disney's. Well, yeah, it was. It was all they did it on purpose. They purposely filmed it there because then they could say, "Do you know what? Yes, we filmed all of this here, and this all happened." And you can actually find the lottery. You can actually find it online. Right. Um, if you go onto YouTube and you put in "Bet Middle of the Lottery," you will be able to find that particular video. It's about six minutes ish long. Um, I think I'm gonna watch this later on tonight. But it's um, it's good. Yeah, so so that was that was sort of earlier on in the tour, not sort of in this last section, which we're not really sure which it really was. No, where exactly it was, I don't remember. But it was somewhere. There it is. I found it. <laughs> that woke us up. It did wake us up, uh, but I found it. Yeah, out the window, the pigeon, and all that sort of stuff. She goes onto the ledge, then she ends up hanging from the, the sign. The pigeon has it in her mouth. She ends up on the shopping trolley of the tramp. Ends up going down. Yeah, that's down through the subway. Yeah, that's the one. I wonder how much of um, the studios you recognise from that to Monday. Sorry, because again. the the streets of America haven't changed that much, no. really. No, not at all. So it's going to be quite. But yeah, I, I remember it really, really yeah. vividly. Um, um, and yeah. then the last bit of the, the backstage tour was uh, basically a cinema to show previews of films. Yeah. In the in the what they call the Walt Disney Theatre, didn't they? And that looks as though the Walt Disney Theatre is where. It's either got knocked down or it's where 
Jenny of the Little Mermaid. Yeah, oh, that's a very good question. I think Jenny the Little Mermaid was put in there. Right, okay. If I remember rightly. But yeah, that was basically the studio tour from beginning to end. And then you would um, you would enjoy the, the film and then you would leave. And the, one of the beauties of the film at the end as well is that it gave you the sneak previews of all of those new movies. Now, you got to remember, this is the age before really the internet. And before we could go online and look at YouTube and all this sort of stuff. So you would go, and each time you would go, you'd go and watch this. And you'd find out about these new movies that the Disney company were making. You'd be like, wow, that looks amazing. You'd, suddenly you'd learn about the latest animation that you didn't know Disney were working on or creating. Yeah. Because you hadn't heard about it before. And you would get to see you know, exciting little snippets and all those bits and pieces. And uh, you would leave going, oh yeah, I can't wait for that new Disney movie. This, that and the other. And then suddenly six eight months later it would appear in the uk and you'd go and see it so this was six, six eight months yeah surely <laughs> well, like we're talking like maybe two half. years yeah in those days um can you remember watching movies games and videos yes i can and that was like the glimpse into what was coming that was like the youtube wasn't it yeah of our generation these are the things that are coming um but so the, yeah i think um also in the backlot tour there was a lot of um Props of vehicles. Yes, as you would travel around. Yeah, there were yeah. all the different bits and pieces. And I think at the time they all meant a lot of things. There were, it was, it was gripping. It was, it, it felt. It, as I say, it felt magical. It felt as though it was actually something that was happening. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely not so much now. No, it's it's bless it. It's it's. Uh, a bit of a struggling time, isn't it? If I'm trying to think of the vehicles that I remember seeing on the way round, there was the flight of the navigator vehicle. Yeah. There was some vehicles from I want to say who initiated the audience. Who initiated the kids? Sorry. I wanted to say there was some also some vehicles. One of the the gunge tank thing from Roger Rabbit was round there as well. Yeah, that was definitely there. Yeah, and there were all those bits and pieces, all these old vehicles that you'd be able to see. Um, I think. There was. I know, I know when Dick Tracy was around, there was a couple of Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy. I want to say there were some Star Warsy bits around there as well. Maybe something small. I'm trying to think whether there was or not. I'm off the back, and off the top of my head. Um, he always had um, Walt Disney's airplane. Yeah, yeah. He that was that was around, wasn't it? It is my question. Is that an actual airplane? Yes. It was a genuine. Whenever I've seen it, it looks too small. No, no, it was a genuine airplane used by Walt Disney. His genuine airplane. So that basically was Hollywood Studio, MGM Studios, as it was uh, in the in the early years before things really started to to change. Um, I, I I love the original park. I think I would love to have for them to have kept the backstage studio tour and to have added everything else around it. Admittedly, if they hadn't have kept it, we wouldn't have had your Pixar place, you wouldn't have had your Toy Story Midway Mania and that sort of stuff in that particular area. But obviously it didn't affect the extension of um, all the other boulevards that came off your Fantasmics, your Tower of Terror, your Rock and Roller Coaster. So yeah. it's it would have been really great to have seen um, this the, the studio tour stay as it was. But, um, um, that's was, it, I think. I was going to say, there's something else that I can vaguely remember. Go on, what have you got? Like, what, what else have I forget, forgotten? Um, well, it's, it's not part of the official tour or anything like that, but there was um, we 
we used to stop at um, Downtown Disney. Yeah. And on the buses, they used to advertise all the um, shows that were getting filmed at Walt Disney World. Yeah. Or, or the studios. And there used to always be a telephone number to ring to become part of the live studio audience. Yes. So you could sit in and watch an For episode of whatever things. was being filmed. I think they did. I think you're right. There was. At one and point that happened. At the time, I remember... I used to be obsessed by um, Tool Time. Yeah. And I was sure that you could see it being filmed there, but I've got a feeling that you couldn't. Because I think it was just obviously there was bits and pieces that would suggest that it was there, yeah. but I think it was filmed elsewhere. Okay, fair enough. I've not been able to confirm that one. No, or deny either. Well, there we go. That is it. That's um, the whole of uh, MGM Studios as it was and the time that it opened. We thought, hope you enjoy that little kind of uh, look back into the history of uh, Walt Disney World and uh, Hollywood Studios as it was. And that's uh, pretty much it from us. Thank you very much once again for joining us. Thank you, Alan, for joining us. No problem. Anytime. We will be back next week with a full Disney Brick Radio show. We've got several things to talk about. I will be going to see Inside Out. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. We will also tell you about our first official event that we're running as part of our Disney Brit running team, where me and Alan will be running a colour obstacle run in the next week. So we'll tell you about that as well. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, do head over to DisneyBrit.com and you can uh, check everything else that's going on there. You can check all the old episodes and the bits of news and rumours. I know you've just put something about Wild Africa Trek, have you not? Yeah, over I've put there. Um, my, my story about doing that. Fabulous. So you can go and check that out. Of course, you can join us on facebook.com forward slash Disney Brit podcast. You can always follow us on, at Twitter, on Twitter at Disney Brit. Uh, and if you do want to join the running team, as we've already mentioned, it is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Disney Brit running team or go to disneybrit.com forward slash DBRT. And if you do want to sponsor us in this next week before we go and do our first official event, you can go over to justgiving.com forward slash Disney Brit running team and we will greatly accept any sponsorship that you give us for the event that we're doing this weekend it'll be absolutely fantastic uh, if you want to email us any comments questions suggestions anything like that then please do email us radio at disneybrit.com and we will inevitably get back to you and we will look at those suggestions etc maybe bring them to a future show is that everything and um, we're going to try and give you a date for our black ball meetup oh yes we got a black ball meetup we're going to try and see what we can do with that so that will be lovely and good fun and hard work okay. It'll not be like Mouse Meets as such, but it'll be. Bit of no, bit of this, bit of that. Meet us, meet other Disney fans, and just have a good weekend. Okay. That's it. Okay. We will see you in a week's time. Have a lovely see week. Later. Until then, we'll see you.